Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Razorback fans, welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios. We're part of the Believe at Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast, and all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I'm your host, Porter Hayes, alongside me as always is Adam All, and we're also brought to you by betonline.ag, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchups, reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting on your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use the mobile device to sign up today and get on the action. And remember to use our promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And Adam, I don't know, man, but. Five weeks away, I, I, I think with uh, – and if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I can speak for everybody else with uh, the, the baseball team not making it as far as they did. It's kind of brought in a more of an urgency this year that football is still five weeks away. I know we got high school action coming up, and for those, me and myself included – I, I can't wait for high, any kind of football. I mean, I've been watching some um, arena football. I've been watching XFL reruns. I mean, anything to kind of get that fixed between now and five weeks. But I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm trying to find different things to, to watch until uh, football season starts. It's definitely hard. I mean, I do my, you know, the daily countdowns in hog sports and, we're, you know, 34 days away. So today I had posted from War Machine on YouTube his videos for Madre Hill and uh, Jerry Franklin. And, you know, tomorrow being 33 days, I think we're going to bust out some Dennis Johnson highlights. But it definitely is um, a rough time of the year. Like I've been getting back into slam ball. You know, it's been gone for however long. Um, but it's it's one of those things just finding this is the time we need, you know, ESB and the Ocho to uh, get some dodgeball action or something going on. Yeah. And, you know, with the TBT tournament and, of course, you know, Team Arkansas getting beat by the aftershocks, it's like I've been trying to follow, you know, I've got another team that I follow, Sideline Cancer, and they got put out by Heard That. And it's, you know, we really, me and Monty, ever since Arkansas got put out, you know, we're really trying to talk about ways to get – this tournament into Fayetteville, how we can logistically make it happen. And I know they're going to be doing some renovations to Bud Walton, and I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. But, you know, for something like that, even if, you know, you can move it later on into July, you have baseball and then you have TBT in Arkansas. Man, I I just don't – I think that would be a huge lift of in-state – something going on inside the state of Arkansas that people would would come watch just – to get them through to a football season. Oh yeah. This is that time of year, especially people in our areas that they're going and doing out of town. 
trips, wherever it may be, that would keep, that would keep a lot of attention here, a lot of money here. Um, I only expect TBT to keep growing and growing from where they're at right now. So that's definitely something you'd rather be in early, like Wichita's done versus being in the ladder and being left out potentially. Yeah. And you know, it's just a exciting tournament. And, and I think the ending has a lot to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. that Elam ending, just every game ends on a game winning shot and just seeing, you know, I got to see, um, Joe Johnson, he was playing in the, the big three today. So oh, yeah. I mean, it's that, you know, also when you're trying to find things to watch, you, you know, uh, Jalen Tate was playing on um, Car- Carmen's, Carmen's crew. crew. Watched mm-hmm. him. Sick move. You know, Trey Wade was playing for the Aftershock. So, I mean, a lot of these guys who don't necessarily – Ja'Cory Williams, I think he was playing for – heard that as mm-hmm. well. You know, guys that don't necessarily play for the Arkansas team are playing in this. So, it gives you something to – and Arkansas being that unique type of state that we really embrace other than when you're playing against an Arkansas team, like when Trey Way was playing against Arkansas for the Aftershocks, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, something you can root for. But I'm, I'm really – I don't think I've been this anxious for a football season in, in quite some time. And I, like I said, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with the baseball not going as long. Now we're, you know, we're trying to – by the time until football gets here, but yeah, it's uh, and plus I'm really optimistic about how this year is going to go. I've been reading a lot. Uh, Hogs Plus content has been really, mm-hmm. really good about um, you know keeping us up to date on the the depth chart and what to expect from the. Uh, and we're going to watch a clip here in just a second from Dan Enos and what brought him back to Arkansas. But I just I the more I read and the more in depth I go with this team, the more optimism I have about this team. Oh, definitely. I mean, I look at last year going into this year and, you know, like we've talked about the coordinators that we've lost. Um, I'm really, I think the offense is going to, is in good hands um, with Enos, with KJ coming back, who we're bringing back. Cause I know we're on both sides of the ball. We're bringing back, I think a total of eight starters and, you know, that's hard to replace. Um, I think defense has the biggest questions, but you can only go up from 120th or whatever they were ranked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's one of those, I, I, I really like the hype that I was reading earlier, not even necessarily hype, just the news on, you know, earlier um, I was reading from, I believe it was Trey Biddy on the defensive line. And this is like being the most depth we've had at the D line in quite a while. And, you know, switching to that four two five is it's going to be um, – it's going to look a lot different than what we've been used to the last couple of years. And he's wanting to go – you know, they, they interviewed uh, Williams, and he wants to go to that forefront, but he also wants to, you know, do that the three front as well. He wants to, you know, switch back and forth. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, you know, when you – last year's defense of just doing that – three front defense. I mean, everybody, when they go to practice, they're practicing against the three front defense. So Mm -hmm. everybody you go up against, they're used to that. So, you know, he wants to bring something different. And I think, you know, more pressure on the quarterback, you know, being able to have the depth and and linebacker. And he says that he thinks they have more talent in the safety position where they're able – to be able to uh, cause more pressure where they can. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is the depth. You know, mm-hmm. you talked about defensive line and defensive tackle with Gregory and Booker 
Carter and Ball, you know, at the strong end, you got Deshaun Stewart, Zach Williams, and Nico Devaye. Um, Deshaun Stewart, you know, Travis Williams, and this is courtesy of Hogs Plus. He's like, he plays the game to the right way, plays so hard, and he wants to be on special teams as well. He never gets tired. He's physical, and he's a little undersized, but is so physical and powerful that he's going to be on the field in some sort of way and has the right skill set. And that's the Deshaun Stewart, the senior defensive lineman out of Jonesboro. And I think the thing is with you have a new coordinator come in, you get a clean slate on some of these guys that, you know, hey, we're, we're judging all these guys equally now. You know, mm-hmm. let, Let's see who go out there and play. Let's see who really wants to get out there and, and ball. And I think that's what's going to be – and now also with Chris Paul, I think having a true leader. I think that's going to be the biggest key of what we're going to see this year is let – you know, Chris Paul being that vocal point – there and how they respond to him because again we've talked about it you know with with Catalan going down so early in the season I I think that had a lot to do with who do we go to who's going to get us in the right positions there on the field and I think Mm -hmm. with Chris Paul coming into that leadership role I mean you got Hudson Clark back there too and I think he's He's streaky. Let, let, let's call a spade let's a spade. Speak, you know, let's, I mean, let's be real. But yeah, he's had a lot of freaking pressure on him. And look, you know, and he has, especially, you know, everything stems from a couple of years back with the three interceptions against Ole Miss, starting yes. at that point, getting the scholarship almost immediately afterwards. Um, you know, he, we, I've even been guilty of hammering on the guy. But when you actually look at, I think, um, PFF, they put out their ratings for safeties and he was the number two rated safety coming back to his team uh, for this coming season. And I mean, I was even shocked when I read that. I think a lot of the mishaps or miscoverages that do happen outweigh that's what's fresh on the mind for a lot of people. And a lot of times he was out of position though. I mean, that's the thing, you know, you, you, you're, you're taking, a safety, and if you put him down at cornerback or you put him in a spot where he's not used to, look look at the Major League Baseball. You cannot take just a center fielder and put him in left field or right field and they're, they're mm-hmm. an all-star center fielder. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you can't just do that. There's different judges and angles, and, you know, King Griffith Jr. is one of the best center fielders in the world, but you put him in right field or left field and he's going to struggle a little bit because of, there's a different read and play on the ball than where you're used to seeing it. And I mm-hmm. think that was a lot of it. And – I guarantee you, I would almost, if you just put him down, put put a lie detector test on him, would you take back that three-interception game knowing what followed, knowing that pressure, whether, you know, yes, you got the scholarship and stuff, but, man, I just I almost felt for him because, you know, yes, it was awesome having that three-interception game, but what, in the end, was it worth it? Because, I mean, just how much he got hounded, and it had to do with depth and just – you know, that team wasn't ready for all of that success. And you've seen on down the on down the line in the SEC, you just run out of depth and talent. Oh, yeah. I think that's, you know, you want to stay healthy. And I feel like every fall camp, and that's what I'm leery of, is what injury is going to happen, who's going to be out. And you, you hope it doesn't happen. But I think with the team and the depth that's there currently – 
it is definitely the put up or shut up. And if you don't prove it, there's somebody else that's going to come in. And that's just the way it's going to be with these, with the two coordinators that came with it. But I agree with uh, Pooh Paul that he's, I think, going to be the vocal leader of that defense. Between, you know, we, we talked about Paul. You've also got McLaughlin, senior. You've got Hudson Clark, senior. You've got Jaden Johnson, which is a junior. You got Ladarius Bishop, which is a senior. Um, looking on up in the middle linebacker, you got Antonio Greer, senior. So what another thing is, you've got a lot of leadership when it comes to, and I know Chris Paul's just a sophomore, but he's playing like a senior. He's mm-hmm. playing like, you know, a junior, senior. And then, of course, Jashad Stewart, senior. Terry and Carter, senior. We're going to see a different when it comes to – you know, you didn't have a lot of depth, but I think we're going to see a lot of this senior leadership. Jeff Coat, you've got Eric Gregory. A lot of these seniors, Landon Jackson's a junior. John Morgan III's a senior. So you're getting a lot of these four, five-year guys mm-hmm. that, all right, this is your fourth or fifth year in the SEC. And, again, you've got – we're looking at the two deep, three deep, you know, in some spots and – lot of leadership there and I think that's going to be underrated people it's not really going to be looking at that because of last year's how everything just seems to fall apart toward the end of the year but injuries come with that I think this year is going to be different see how this camp it's going to be a new buzz it's again new coaches new chances for everybody you you know and just to see how everything shapes together and you know what we were talking about earlier with coming back to Arkansas and how everything with him and Sam getting back together I think you know it might take and I think it's a good thing you got these first three games to fine-tune things but I think we're going to see a different spark on the offense just like the the defense and I think also you know coaches are competitive just as players they, mm-hmm. they don't want the defense to outdo them you know and, and when you're having that kind of oh what do they call that? That respectful battle, that respectful, you know, um, what I the competitiveness, I should say. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's going to be iron sharpens iron because this is a team that has a lot to prove. We've there, I, there's a lot of pressure on this team. I think they know it, and I think they're up for the task of when we say it's time to drop your nuts and play. I, I think they're ready to take on the task, and here in five weeks, we're going to find out. You know. In, in Little Rock, just what this team's made of. Yeah, and I think, you know, they know the pressure's on, especially here in, um, you know, recently Sam Pittman come out and saying that he's going to stop being everybody's friend. And I think that's something that he's going to stick to um, because he knows, I mean, it all comes back to him. So that's exactly. something that I know that we've all seen the last few years with him, that he has been the – buddy but no we don't see what's behind the scenes but he, he seems like he's you know he's been everybody's his buddy he's got to stop now when when did you see that um maybe a week ago do you not remember what i said last week on the show about yeah it was it was after that it was sometime within this last week that is crazy because we had talked about that and i'd said mm-hmm. do you think it's almost like is he watch does he watch the show yeah. you know does he does he watch the show because i'm telling you that was a point I made, and I even mm-hmm. tweeted it out there. Do you think that he's underestimated because he's that good old boy? And I'm telling you, 
that could have, and I'm not saying the show did it, but I'm saying him getting asked those questions at SEC media days, he might have took a step back and be like, no, is that all they really think of me as this good old mm-hmm. boy who likes to party? Well, it's like we were talking about, you know, with what the other coaches may perceive him as at the end, you know, maybe it's just all yeah. kind of coming full circle for him that he's he's got to change some things. Yeah. That, that's crazy because I didn't catch that. And I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, if if we're pointing that out and we are noticing that and other coaches are thinking that, it's like – it's kind of like, all right, all right, let, let's see. Because, you know, again, the fans are probably thinking that too. Well, Sam's just there, you know, he's a good old boy and he's going to rely on his coordinators to do the job for him. He's going to rely on this depth. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how – also, other coaches at the university, their, their feet are kind of being put to the fire this year. I, I think that's a, a common thread when we look at some of the coaches in, in there at, at Arkansas. And there's more pressure on Sam Pittman than in a program because, one, they're the moneymaker. But they mm-hmm. also set the tone going into basketball season, that which rolls over into baseball season. No disrespect to the other sports, women's basketball, soccer, golf, volleyball, softball, none of that. No dis- but you, you look at where the fans, yes, when the women's programs are doing good, we get a great following, but you see the trickle-down of when that nine-win nine season happened and then the basketball season happened, how it spread like a wildfire to the other programs. We know that for the football program, and when Jacob was on the show, we talked for – three years about all we need is this football program to really become an eight, nine, 10 win season to set this whole athletic department on fire. And I believe that it starts with the football program. Oh, it definitely does. And I mean, it's, you hear the other schools that are, they're not a football school or they're, you know, or even schools that name themselves or we're an everything school. I mean, that's overdone, but it's one of those, you know, I saw earlier today, the Texas fans are already chirping, and all they want to do is bring up Arkansas's past in the SEC. They don't want to talk about what's going on right now with Arkansas versus Texas. You know, it's just, we're just going to oh, talk yeah. about the last 29 years and what's gone on. Um, so it's definitely, it's one of those that you, you just want to shut people up, especially after the Chad Morris years, because we're done past it. I know. Yeah, now he's back at Clemson. Yeah. yeah. But it, and that's the thing, again, like there's more people who are still, you know, and, and we've posed the question, and I think it was answered with, with that situation. Say you had Chad Morris come to Arkansas and become the offensive coordinator or whatever at Arkansas, and he brings in someone like a Deshaun Watson to Arkansas, and Arkansas wins a national championship with that recruit, he didn't call the plays, but he's the one that brought him in and then goes on and does the destruction that he's done. The Clemson fans and nation are like, who cares? He brought us to Sean Watson, who brought us a national championship. So none of that matters. And I guarantee you that he could go, and, and Clemson, in a sense, of could not win a national championship for the next four or five years. They're going to be okay with it because they got two. There's a lot of schools who don't get none, and I'm one of them. I mean, I want them to win a national championship. I do. But yet I'm humble enough to understand how hard it is, and you're not Alabama where you're going to be just great 
decades and decades and decades. I got to see two national championships in my lifetime. I, If they win more, I'm very happy with that. But if they don't, I can live the rest of my life happy knowing that I've got to see that and witness that because – and this is no poke at Arkansas or a dig or nothing, but I know how much Arkansas fans have been dying for a national championship in basketball, baseball, and football. I know how much it means and what joy that would bring to the Arkansas fan base if they indeed got a national championship. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I, you know, I was only alive for – the 94 national championship. I was six, seven years old. So, you know, I look at, no, I don't know what it was like in 1964. Obviously in 2018, we saw what happened in baseball, but it's one of those things that like touching back on what you're talking about, like with Morris and what Clemson's done and fan aspect. I mean, even now fans still revert back to um, when there has been coaching changes, the Bobby Petrino talk just because of, you know, getting to a BCS game when he was here. And it's one of those things that, yes, I'm going to also reiterate, that can never happen legally, so it's not going to happen. But, you know, we we go back to bringing in the people who were here when they were great or when they were good, which is kind of like, you know, people are overlooking or not really caring about Clemson bringing back Chad Morris. Yeah, and but it's just the thing that's – the Arkansas fans and everybody outside of Clemson are laughing about it, but the Clemson fan base is like, eh, whatever. You know, yeah. he brought us well, Deshaun Watson. And, and you, you, in a way, yeah, you, you look, can't say you look that. You the analyst position, and you're like, what do they really do anyway? But I mean, to me, like, I don't want him nowhere near the <laughs> I don't want him. Well, look, we got beat by South Carolina. Like, I was joking that my niece's son got to witness for the first time since he's been born that – South Carolina beat Clemson. His dad's a big mm-hmm. Carolina fan. And I'm like, look, your son finally got to witness South Carolina beating Clemson. So I don't want that to be a reoccurring thing. And then on top of having to watch that game with my, I guess you could call him my nephew. It's my niece's husband. I don't know mm-hmm. where you really call that in your family lineage or whatever, yeah. but I guess I could say he's my nephew. But when you see your nephew and the first game you've watched with him, Carolina wins, and that's your rival. And But your his son gets to witness the first time. I mean, it's like, okay, I don't want that to be an every year. So then having to already deal with that, then deal with the fact of, hey, guess who's coming back? It's just one of them things like, why? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, especially our, our Arkansas's younger fan base. They've never seen Arkansas beat Nick Saban in Alabama. So that's something that I was – you know, you really want to happen this year just because we're not going to play them in 2024 and who knows what the schedule is going to look like after that. Yeah. And, you know, looking at a question right here, it says, where do you stand on the wide receiver core? I have concerns, but all, because all the incoming guys have experience, but not P5 Keller experience, no disrespect, but who's the guy that can bring in and big catch on third and seven. I mean, that's where this, this off season, this summer camp, you know, this who is going to be that guy that is going to be able to get that. And to me, I think it's going to be a tight end. I, I looked at, at at Luke Haas. He's a freshman. But since on campus, he li- they got him listed at 226, but Dan Eno says that he's closer to 240 right now. I mean. I, you have, uh, no, I forget, Varkis. Yeah coming in from uh, Tech or North Texas. Yeah. 
you know, he's going to be th- them two. I think are going to. I don't think tight end is going to be a concern. So I could look at your tight ends, but I mean, also with Tesla coming in, yep. I mean, he is a six four sure hands uh, wide receiver. And if you got to go up, I mean, I'm looking at Armstrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's six foot seven, six foot six. Him and Broden. So it's a concern because these guys don't have power five experience, but at the same time, you know, we don't, there's different reasons as to why maybe they weren't P five to begin with. And and that is the thing that's where, and I think a lot of it has to do with how Arkansas has done in the past and getting guys to come in from Western Kentucky or, or um, where'd Strongberg come in from? Was it Illinois? Did one of them come from, not Strongberg, the guy for, did it come from Illinois state or, you got a something line, like that there, like Northern that Illinois, Northern or Illinois, or something. Is Illinois State, but you're getting guys coming in like that. But man, you got you got to look at um, guys that have a chip on their shoulder. Maybe they got mm-hmm. passed up. Maybe they didn't get recruited and they got picked up. Now they're having their chance, like a Tesla. You know, guys coming in Armstrong, guys coming in that they want to help bring Arkansas to you know the next level. And having a guy like KJ Jefferson. That could turn someone in from a second, third team all conference to first team all conference, or mm-hmm. look at Traylon Burks, <laughs> turn him into an All American in a first round draft pick. I mean, all it takes yeah. is you got a guy that you can go to that can, you know, get you to that next level, get you some more touch. Because again, you look at what they did in the passing game. I mean, in the passing defense. I mean, I think also with that with KJ and having him out there with the tight ends and receivers, it's going to make the defense better because, again, they're going ones versus ones in practice. You're not going up mm-hmm. against guys and not really knowing who's going to get the ball. Yeah. See, and that's a, you know, that's a prime example is you knew the last year or two who was getting the ball in practice. And now these guys aren't going to have necessarily a clue or don't this early on. But, I, I, you know, the, the wide receiver core is going to look different, but so will the whole, whole offense. Um, obviously, I don't think the running game is going to change much when it comes to Rocket and Dominion and A.J. Green and everybody. So it's going to be, you know, running back by committee led by Rocket. Um, I, it's, I, the wide receivers are definitely always going to be a concern, but I think with A.J. under center, it's not it, – I don't look at it like a big issue. Well, and then having the depth at tight end, uh, reading this article, you know, and talking about what Enos did in 15, you know, you had Sprinkle and Hunter Henry. You know, mm-hmm. you look at those two tight ends, and you had sometimes you had Sprinkle in the backfield, then they'd move into tight end. What that does is creates a mismatch. So, mm-hmm. you if you can, you know, that's what, do you believe all, that the tight end room will be a bigger red zone threat than last year? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. sometimes you're going to have two tight ends, and if you got so just say you got two tight ends down there, and then of course you've got KJ, you've got Debinion, you've got Rocket Sanders, you you've got Dominique, you know you've got these guys that who are you going to? Okay, so you've got two tight ends, and then those three in the backfield. You got five guys, and this mm-hmm. ain't even counting wide receivers. Yeah, you've got five guys that you got to respect right there. Sometimes seven. How are you going to be able to match up if they get this where they put the two tight ends set down there? You know, you got KJ and a running back. I mean, that's going to be hard to match up and and really respect 
what happens. Yeah, because with the red zone, too, I think that we got a little bit too comfortable with uh, runs, with draw plays, with quarterback sneaks, whatever the case may be. So I think they really need to change that mindset a little bit with being able to go to tight ends, some misdirections, um, some funky-looking sets, whatever the case may be, yeah. um, just to mix things up. Well, you got right now your three tight ends, and this is just the listing, you know, what they're at when, when this come out. You got Nathan Back, 6'4", 252. Luke Haas, 6'3", 226. Ty Washington, 6'4", 244. Okay. You try to have Trey Knox down there at what? How big? 205, 220, maybe? I think 215, 217. And blocking was yeah. his downfall. Exactly. So you put 30 pounds on a guy who can catch and block, and that's what Eno said about backs was big, and he's what you need as a point-of-attack blocker. This could turn into a whole different scheme of you're going to play to your strengths. So this is a, a kind of a PSA when it comes to the fans. If you think that, okay, we got all these burners – and they're just going to air this thing out. Well, if 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 they're running two tight end set, and then you got KJ and Rocket back there, and they're running that, and of course, then you got your deep threat. You might see a very similar situation to what you have with Brandon Allen and mm-hmm. with, with Sprinkle and Hunter Henry. Of if it's effective and you're you're moving the ball down the field, hey, do it how you got to do it. Oh yeah, and you never know. Maybe we'll get in a situation where they can bring back the fat guy touchdown, like with Chitola, <laughs> yeah. and you know mix things up and mess with some people. Some yeah, big guys. Like, you know, Chitola <laughs> felt like I mean, it had the the fat guy touchdown had been gone for quite a while. It seemed to like, and I felt like that set up you seeing it more and more in college and even the NFL with your your linemen getting out there and getting some touchdowns. Yeah, and what we'll do is we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back from the break, we're going to get right back in the action and talk about, you know, with this first couple of games, what we're going to be doing, you know, five weeks out, you know, and and moving on with uh, football season, high school action. We're going to be talking about future guests coming up, but we'll be right back after the break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metters Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. 
But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast. And, you know, before the break, we're talking about Western Carolina, and they are picked to finish fifth in the Southern Conference. So when we're looking at the, the, the first opponent for Arkansas, and, I, and what we'll do is, you know, leading up to football season, of course, the, the week of, you know, uh, we're going to be really deep diving, trying the best we can with Western Carolina, Kent State, BYU before we hit um, conference season. But, you know, knowing what Arkansas has coming in at wide receiver, you know you have your your issues and, and your questions on the defensive side. Even I would even include the BYU game. I really like how this non-conference season sets up playing a team like Western Carolina, Kent State. But, again, like we said last week, I think – and, and no disrespect to Western Carolina and Kent State, I think you need to hammer them. I think you need to come in, and and I know you're going to get the haters and the trolls on, on Twitter and social media that, oh, it's just Western Carolina and Kent State. But I think, in a way, you still need to come in and set a tone, set the message on the season is we're going to treat every game like it's an SEC game, and we're going to lay the hammer down. We're going to full throttle. I just I, – I, and, again, if it happens and Arkansas puts 60 up on Western Carolina and Kent State, I apologize in advance, but I think that's what needs to happen. I think, you know, we're talking about drop your nuts and play, and it's a, it's a very important year for this team. I think that's what needs to happen. Oh, yeah. Um, those games, you've got to get guys ready. Um, you, I don't think you need to go to um, reserves early on if you're up a lot. I think you need to get the guys comfortable in a rhythm and a flow and, you know, maybe be looking at the fourth quarter on pulling your starters if you're at that point. Yeah. You know, I remember back to the uh, Nickel State game in 2014 or 20-something like that. It was 55 to nothing at halftime. And they were still – I think we didn't pull our starters until halfway through the third quarter. So I think you have to look at those games that early on in the season, that especially when you have an SEC schedule, whether it's eight games, whether it's nine games, you you treat every game leading up to that point or the non-conference games in between as it's still do or die. I think that if the SEC caves in, the only thing that I can think of, because they're going to 12 teams, Mm-hmm. So does the SEC really need to go to a nine-game conference schedule to prove anything? No. No. 
I, and I think it's one of the make us. I think it's going to have to be a make us. And, and we've talked about and, and when this first come out, I was like, okay, I, I think SEC needs to go to nine. But again, when you start seeing these schedules and, and it's not grouped anymore, you're, there's no more divisions. I mean, just imagine a team getting lined up with AM, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Kentucky, South Carolina. I'll throw South Carolina. Like, you get that slate of games and there's no. Like, you're playing the top three out of each league. There's six right there. And then maybe throw in a Vandy or maybe, you know, a, a Missouri or, or something. You know, I, I don't – until they really drop the hammer, I don't think – because SEC is not in a position where they have to. What, okay, so Alabama plays Nickel State before the Auburn game or whatever. But they're still drawing enough money. You're not getting the TV ratings. But I guarantee you they're getting more TV ratings the other eight, nine games than they are that one week. So mm-hmm. I don't think even – if you're giving Vanderbilt $40, $50 million a year just off of your SEC TV money, I don't think they have, they're in a position where they're threatened of they have to go. It's just everybody, every other conference whining about it. I think if you stay at the eight-game mark, then maybe – I don't know if it's for sure, but I've heard it talked about on – making one of your non-conference games has to be against another power five. Yeah. Um, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. If you go to nine games, I think you throw that out the window and your three non-conference games can be whoever you want it to yep. be, no matter how easy it may or may not be. Um, but I think if you stay with the, stay with the eight at, uh, conference games and then your other game be a big 10 or a big 12 school, or even the ACC, whoever, and, um, you know, get those some of those big-time matchups that are out of conference, yeah. you know, like Arkansas is coming up with Oklahoma State and with Notre Dame, and if that effort actually happens. But, you know, keep one of those games for everybody if you're going to go to the – or just keep it at the eight games. But if you go to nine games, I say you throw it out the window in non-conference schedule. Just let them schedule whoever. And, and you look at some of these in-state rivalries, you know, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Kentucky, South Carolina, Clemson, uh, Florida, Florida State. You know, some of these, I mean, Oklahoma, Texas, you know, Oklahoma, we know Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's not going to happen anymore. I know there's some bad blood on that issue, but I think even if you keep those marquee headliner games that you're playing, you know, South Carolina's, for instance, when you stop playing that East schedule and you're mixed up, say you get LSU, Alabama, Arkansas, then you've got to turn around and play Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and then you got to play Clemson. I mean, that's that. I mean, their schedule is brutal enough as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that's you know that I've never. I, I guess a lot of the Arkansas State talk was more of the other part of the state. Um, I was never a fan of it, but <laughs> that was kicking know, the dog while it was down. Because yeah, oh, exactly, because exactly all that chirping's gone away. Exactly, they don't they don't want it. They were kicking the dog while it was down because there's not a single Arkansas State fan that can say anything now. Because where are they at? It was one of them. Well, we're the best program in the state, and and all this. And but I'm. I know if you put them on the field, even at that time, Arkansas would wipe the floor with Arkansas State. But at that time, it was 
you could make a case. Is Arkansas State the best program in the, in the state football-wise because they're winning their conference and doing good in their conference? And mm-hmm. Arkansas is getting beat by Portland – or not Portland State, but uh, North Texas and Western Kentucky. And, you know, it was just a, a, a bottom – Arkansas was in the bottom five of Ryan McGee's thing, you know. But it's mm-hmm. – you could put them on the field and Arkansas would beat Arkansas State by 30. But like you said – there ain't nobody talking about that now. It's just, and I think it would be a massacre if it. And I'm fine with playing it in War Memorial if that game's still, if they're still going to throw Little Rock the one game a year or however they're rotating it now. But other than that, I don't see a point after 2025 of worrying about that matchup anymore in the non-conference. Well, this game's going to happen one time, and Arkansas is going to just wax them, and and. and Arkansas State's going to wave the white flag and be like, "Okay, we're, we're good." You know, we and and I've also said would be fun, and and this is just a be a fun kind of deal to do. If you did play the Arkansas Arkansas State game on Saturday, you have the Salt Bowl on Friday, and then have the Arkansas Arkansas State game on Saturday. So then, what you can do after that? is because Arkansas State would probably not want that game with Arkansas anymore. You play the Salt Bowl on Friday, and then you do like a UAPB Arkansas State, UCA Arkansas State, or UCA. I think you make a weekend deal out of that. As long as they're wanting to use War Memorial Stadium for a football venue, I think you give the fans something. You know, I think that with the Salt Bowl, and then if you have a competitive game between UCA and Arkansas State, at one time that was a big rivalry. But I, oh, yeah. I remember back you, in the day you, when UCA and Arkansas Tech was a huge rivalry. Yeah, and I mean, there's like in my eyes, there's no bad blood like with me towards Arkansas State. I couldn't care less about Arkansas uh, State, and that's no offense <laughs> yeah. to them. That's growing up on this side of the state. Yeah. I have no ties. I hope Arkansas State goes ten and two, eleven and one, whatever the case may be. So you know, but when it comes down to it. If they want to play Arkansas, then obviously I'm going to pull for Arkansas. But I know, like with your the other schools you were mentioning too, your UCAs, your Techs, you know, you have a lot of alumni ties there that, you know, people in my area, your area, Northwest Arkansas, that maybe they didn't go to U of A, but they went to Conway, they went to Russellville. So while Arkansas is still the top, they're still pulling for their mm-hmm. alma maters or where they're from. Yeah. And, and with, you know, Hendricks has got a, a, a up and coming football program right now. I think Lion out of, in Batesville they got a football program. I think you could start using this as a showcase to look. You can play one of your games in in Memorial Stadium and kind of like what what softball's done with playing UCA and and you look mm-hmm. at Southern Arkansas and Tech and a lot of these schools. You're starting to get a lot of in state talent going to Arkansas State. UCA's starting to get some kind of you know. A pull. I mean, they're kind of they're not what they used to be. But mm-hmm. you start showcasing and making them feel like they're important. You might start getting some of these programs that start to spark. And I tell you what, other than the the, the battle of the ravine, which you got to keep that where it's at because of the 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 you can't. That's the best rivalry. One of the best rivalries, I guess, outside of Arkansas. You could say it's one of the most underrated rivalries in the nation just how the proximity of that rivalry. But you showcase a rivalry, kind of like what the Hootons Classic did in high school football. I think you do something similar like that in college. I think that would be a huge hit. Oh, yeah. And, and it's one of those with Arkansas not having a pro sport 
pro teams, whatever, you know, it's something that everybody could get behind. Yes. You're still going for the Razorbacks day in and day out, but take a break and go back to the smaller schools that don't get as much hype. Yeah. And you got a comment here from Marcus over here inside the city limits of Jonesboro, a portion of state fans absolutely despise all things Razorback. It's a hogs, Texas, level of hatred, and I guarantee there is, and I guarantee you those fans have that DVD of when Arkansas State beat Arkansas in the women's NIT. You know, I, you know, it's just they made a DVD out of it, but to them that was a big deal. If I was so UCA, I, I'd have the same thing when the softball team beat Arkansas. It's a big and deal. I, and I guess even though they're in the state, and I've, uh, I'm not obviously from over there, nor I think I've been to Jonesboro one time in my life, but I guess I would look at, the likes of, you know, Memphis being a bigger headache form than Arkansas. Yeah. Just for, you know, from the fan bases that are around. And this one, you know, here it's called little brother syndrome, but I wouldn't even call it little brother because they've never played. You know, if it was one of these things where they played once every two, three, four years, but Arkansas and Arkansas State's never played. So I wouldn't even call it that. I, again, I go back to what I said and, Arkansas was a respectable program. You know, they had Gus Miles on. They had Hugh Freeze as their coaches at one time. They were doing really well. And it was, again, look at where Arkansas was under John L. Smith and, and Chad Morris. And they're like, well, let's let, let's kick them while they're down. And, you know, I'd I, I, I beg to see how many of those in-state Jonesboro that despise Arkansas would be willing to say that they want to play Arkansas if push come to shove. Oh, yeah. But, well, a lot of that, you know, we'll see what happens after 2025 and yeah. see if it ever happens again. I don't I don't think because, I again, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure for the SEC to go nine games by that point in time because everybody's going to be like, well, look, we're expanding our college playoffs to 12 games so or 12 teams. So the, the pressure of now you're automatically going to know that a two-loss SEC team can get into the college football playoff mm-hmm. because it almost happened this past year. So you you give them an extra game, and you're like, well, we're give, you give us an extra game, you're going to give us an extra loss. If, if mm-hmm. it happens, you're going to allow. And I would even beg to be like a three-loss SEC team can make a case. And I would – yes, you can. You can you make can. a case that a three-loss SEC team – and I'll put throw my under conference under the bus outside of Clemson because they've proven that they can play with an SEC team. Yeah, they've gotten blown out by Ohio State and LSU the last two times they played them, and then got blown out by Tennessee. But offensive woes, and I hope things are turning around for them. But it's the fact that outside of that, I don't see that the second best team in the ACC could hang with the fifth best team in the in, in the SEC. I don't. I mean. The playoff scenarios will definitely be interesting. Could be more interesting than, you know, the past with BCS scenarios or even this current college football playoff because you're going to get, like you were saying, the potentially three-loss SEC team that's making a case for a one- or two-loss, let's say, ACC team that, you know, we're going to put them ahead of them just based on who they played and how they played. Well, and something else we ain't even talked about. Well, with the dissolvation of the Pac-12, mm-hmm. what's going to happen to these other conferences with the Big 12 and the Pac-12? Everybody's shifting to like the Big 10 ACC or or just the Big 10 and the SEC. 
is it going to have to be, well, you're going to have to join up with these other conferences or you're going to be left out. So that just throws another factor of a three-loss SEC team because if there's only eight or nine teams in the Pac-12 or you've got just some filler teams joining the Pac-12 and they're like a, a Conference USA-type quality of a conference now, that gives you more of a case to throw, an, a, say, a nine-and-three SEC team in the college football playoff. And that's, you know, with all these expansions, you know, we're at 16 right now. And so you kind of think that, or starting next year, you kind of think like, okay, that's it for a while. And then you see all these other movements that are starting to happen. And it's kind of like now you haven't, or I at least have in the back of my mind, are we going to see 18 sooner than later, 20 teams sooner than later to the point that you're just going to have maybe four 24 team conferences I think it's going to be like this, and you just got me my head spinning and mm-hmm. thinking about the business side of this. It just got me like, okay, so I could see them going to a sixteen-team conference. Let's generate our revenue. Let's let, let's get it to where we can give our sixteen teams enough revenue and have enough back that way, because SEC is like the trendsetter. Mm-hmm. SEC is going to have enough money to afford to be able to have 18 to 20 teams in. So I think that's what's going to that, – that's just my opinion on how – thinking back on these expansions and stuff. I think they're going to hold off. I don't think that – they're going to let everybody else catch up to the SEC. And then they're going to hold back their money because the, the, the more teams you get now, you add Texas and OU to the, to the mix. What is the conference going to be worth revenue-wise in three, four years? Now you're going to have enough capital. You're going to have enough money put back. And we're like, okay, now we can invite you into the party. Now we're going to an 18-team conference or a 19-team or 20. You know, say they just, okay, we're taking a big leap and we're going to have 20-team super conference in four years. Because, again, they're not, you know, it's invite. You know, everybody wants mm-hmm. to be in the SEC because that's where the money's at. Let's see where this tw- how this 12-game or 12-team playoff does. Let's see how our money works. Do we want to share? And if we do, who are we going to let in? Who's worthy of joining the SEC? It- well, and that's, you know, kind of like we I was looking at earlier with the a guy that works for Barstool posted on Twitter earlier, or X or whatever it's called now. Um, but the, the rumors of Clemson, Florida State, Washington, and Oregon maybe joining the Big Ten. And I just looked back and looked at, yeah, but – you know, Florida State and Clemson have $120 million buyout or exit fees yeah. from the ACC. So I think, you know, in that aspect, what, whatever the case is in the future, is that conference they're going into going to foot the bill a little bit or split some yeah. of those costs? So a lot of it, yeah, it's going to come down to money when it's all, you know, said and done. And I know that's why TV contracts played a big deal in what we saw this summer and last summer with conferences and teams moving. Yeah. was who could get the biggest TV deal. And 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 just being completely 110% honest here. I think Florida State has the staying power because power because of their name. But let's just say 4 or 5 years down the road Dabo's no longer the coach or they just take a drop off. Well, now in in 2023 they'd be an SEC worthy team. Mm-hmm. But are those teams and I'll throw Florida State back in the mix. Where are those programs going to be in four years to where, yeah, we looked at you in 2023, 
you were good then. Well, you haven't really done much with this conference that you could have taken a, a stranglehold on, and you've not done anything to progress to come up. What what benefit are you to come into our conference? Because the reason why OU and Texas are in the conference is because of their staying power, their brand, and their money. Well, yeah, because I mean, when's the last? Right? And this isn't a shot at Clemson by any means, but you know, the last time, let's say, before these national championships that I can remember Clemson being, I'm not going to say relevant, but, you know, going back to the C.J. Spiller days, you know, is that caliber of a Clemson team good enough to be in the SEC? And I'm well, not sure. And and that's the thing. But I, are they good enough to be in the SEC? Yes. But I don't think good enough is what the SEC wants. They want no. super teams. Because, and, and I've, I've said this many a times, and this was when I was on the show before Clemson won the national championships. Before Dabo came along, Clemson and Arkansas was the same program. Hmm. The, the same exact program. They would have some good spurts, and you can look back, fact check me on this. In the 80s, they had good 10, 9, 10-year 10 runs. In the 90s, they had some good 8, 9, 10-win seasons. The 2000s, when you're talking about Woodrow uh, Danzler and, and then C.J. Spiller. Then you go into when Deshaun Watson or Taj Boyd. So just, you had Taj Boyd and, and DeAndre Hopkins. You go there back, Clemson was Arkansas. So, yeah, they are a legitimate contender. But I don't think at, at this point in time, you're going to have to be big boy. You're, you're going to have to be a big yeah. boy to sit at the big boy table. And you look at Florida State, but you're looking at other teams, you know, Who's going to emerge? Who would be somebody that's outside of the ACC? Who would you want to join, or who do you think could compete? Let, let's go national. Outside of the outside of Clemson and Florida State, who we've talked about, who mm-hmm. could you see that could compete year in and year out in the SEC? Year in and year out. It's hard for me to not go proximity, um, but I would look at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. because they've got a top 25 team the majority of the time, or they're at least talked about or in the picture or causing upsets. Um, Florida State, I don't think – I think Florida State's biggest enemy on them joining the SEC would be the Florida Gators. For as long yeah. as they've been in the SEC, I think that they can say no and that they that Florida State wouldn't be allowed. But think about this, though. Look, look at Texas A&M and them allowing Texas in. I understand Florida, but we, we're just talking about with this, who is what they are now. Florida hasn't been what since Tim Tebow. Do, do they have that much pull to be like, hey, Sankey, we don't want Florida State in our conference because we want to be that brand. Well, you're not the brand that you used to be. So maybe it's time to let Florida State come in. You were carrying that state of Florida. You had the chomp and the swamp and Tim Tebow and all that lore, but you don't have that anymore. So we're starting to talk about these states, and I think that's where Arkansas is landlocked and and they have that advantage. There's no other team in Arkansas. There's nobody to really take away what they have. And plus, outside of football – Arkansas has been very well competitive in all the other sports and had more conference championships and their fan base. I think the fan base and their revenue 
that we're talking about, other than the Chad Morris years, they have that staying power and because of the revenue they do bring in the conference because when Arkansas is great, they're one of the few teams in baseball that generate in the green. I think it's, it's Arkansas and, and LSU and maybe one or two others that are in the green in their baseball program. Yeah. And yeah, I've looked at the different scenarios and ideas that people have thrown out. Cause I know you kind of look at proximity, especially with the sec, like who's really not a, you know, Southern school. And, uh, you know, I've seen thrown out there the, you know, Duke, North Carolina, but I'm like outside of basketball. Yeah. What that's are it. they? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think it had to be somebody that's good in multiple sports mm-hmm. that could really, and, and I don't, I mean, but when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at like teams like an Ohio State or a Michigan or UCLA, you know, teams that have been that brand. But I don't think the SEC would pull a Big 12 and just have West Virginia like come in the conference because that's who we we're trying to bring up the, the Big 12. We're bringing yeah, in- I mean, that's the thing I think that's like the Big Ten's done. I mean, add USC and UCLA. I mean, that travel for them to have to go all the way to Rutgers is absolutely insane <laughs> yeah. to me. And but then again, you got these charter jets and stuff now, so oh, I mean, yeah. it's not a big deal. Like you know, now where it's going to hurt them is the other sports, like the baseballs and the basketballs. And but they've also brought in the fact where it, it might go to is we might see a, a whole different conference for football and a whole different conference for basketball. Now, that would be something that would be really cool to look into. Now, again, how you would start doing conference championships and stuff like that would be a, a challenge, but I think that would be more prone. To, but also with the basketball and baseball, you can afford to lose more games, so you can do non-conference mm-hmm. opponents. Yeah. And I think with that, if you if you looked at the different conference, I mean, you almost have to kind of look at Notre Dame and how they were, you know, independent with football, but Big East and basketball and their different that aspect of how they've done things being independent in one sport and then in a conference. And I, I yeah. think when you get into different conferences, you're going to have, let's say, the little brother conference, um, somebody that's not the SEC, you know getting a little mad because an SEC team or SEC schedule of conference is taking precedent. And so right here, Facebook user says Houston might be, and I don't know if you can see who that user yeah, is. Yeah, I uh, can't. Um, it says Houston. Now that's, that's legitimate because they're, if, if they could pick up the pace in a SEC type football, but basketball, they've got a mm-hmm. decent baseball program. So, you know, that would be, that's one of the closest ones, you know, you're talking about proximity because, uh, and I think the SEC would look at that because they want to do their – they like having those baseball classics in, um, you know, Houston and Dallas. So the the lure of having Houston in the, the conference, and I think there was talk about one time of Houston being with uh, with what Kelvin Sampson, the coach there, the basketball coach mm-hmm. there, and having them come in the SEC. So, yeah, that that's a really good point with, with the team that we didn't even think about because, yeah – they're, they're football teams on, on a Memphis-type level, but, you know, um, I think they could turn it into – but, goodness gracious, you talk about school. I mean, Baylor would be another one. You know, Baylor, yeah. About- and I've seen, like, Tulane throwing out there here and there, but 
I, I, I hear it thrown yeah. out there, and I don't know why other than they used to be. They used to. Uh, I think that was a complete troll job because they're like, oh, well, they have more SEC. Well, they, <laughs> I, mean, I still see it thrown around on potentials. No, and they're, no. and I'm just kind of like, that, you know, every couple few years they're up there making some noise in football, but that's no. it. Yeah, and, and and but there's a lot of schools who make noise Every think, now and then, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and I think, like you said, Baylor would be a little. Yeah. Baylor and Houston, if you break it down, would probably be some two at the top. Yeah, that are all around in different sports, multiple sports um, could you know bring in quite a bit. Because when you look at, I mean, and Louisville would be, I mean, you could throw Louisville in there too because their baseball, basketball, and football program. But I mean, that there's three that you know, I'm looking at Texas. There's nothing really in the state of. Kansas, outside of Kansas, maybe a Kansas State, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, then you look at Missouri, then you got Tennessee right there, um, and then Kentucky. You know, you're trying to look at proximity, and there's really not unless you go over into North Carolina. But I mean, North Carolina would be, or NC State, you know, there. I, I try to draw. I try to cut it off when I see people start to bring up the Virginia and West Virginia yeah. talk because I'm. I mean, I, I get it, but at the same time, I just can't look at that like a Southern or SEC school. Yep. TCU's another one. TCU's one, yeah. You know, but then you others. know with TCU, is it a few? Well, you know, going back with Gary Patterson, they were you know a force to be reckoned with here and there. So you can't really at this point in time, you can't really yeah. talk down on them, especially in baseball too. Yeah. Well, we're approaching the end of a show, uh, another uh, jam-packed show uh, with that. Uh, we'll be back again. We got uh, Sawyer Rattler from Hogs Plus coming on Tuesday night now. I'm just going to uh, – I don't – with the timing, it, it, we're going to be recording at 9 p.m., so I'm really debating on going live at 9 p.m. or just making it a pre-recorded uh, show and releasing it on Wednesday. So – I'll know uh, the day of. I will let everybody know if that will indeed be a live show or we will release that on Wednesday. And also, before we we go, I do want to say that uh, our burger challenge is up. Uh, We are going to be going to Northwest Arkansas first. So, look, I want everybody to drop in our comments of the um, burger. Northwest Arkansas entries only for the next two weeks. We're going to be going to that spot in two weeks to uh, find where the best burger in the state is, starting with Northwest Arkansas. And then after that, we will pick another region. So we will be announcing that again for y'all in the morning when we upload the podcast. So on our comment section on underneath, we have it pinned to the top of the, our post on our Facebook page. Give me the best spots in Northwest Arkansas to eat the best burger there, we've got River Valley, Northwest Arkansas, North Central Arkansas, Northeast, Southeast, and Southwest. So um, we've got, I think, seven regions to cover. So we're going to be busy for the next couple of months. We've got our live shows coming up on location, football season right around the corner. Um, Adam, you got anything before we head out? No. Um, I appreciate everybody in the feedback, the comments, yes. everybody watching, everybody in Hog Sports on Facebook. That, you know, keep pushing us. So I, I'm ready for the football season to get here, just like everybody else. 
That's right. For, well, for Adam Hall again, yes. Thank you, all, everybody on Hog Sports. We love we love this collaboration of being able to post our, our show on both pages. So it's been a really really fun to get to uh, know the the fans over that you have your fans over that Hogs Hogs Plus and our fans here at the Hog Talk. But for Adam Hall, I'm Porter Hayes, and we will catch you on Tuesday night or Wednesday, deciding whether we uh, do the live show or we will broadcast that on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.